on today's episode of Diving In. Be who you are. Be yourself. Be who you were created to be. Be the being that was put on this earth to do the thing. Welcome to Diving In, a podcast aiming to explore the deeper themes behind the entertainment and content creation industries. I'm Leslie Mosier. And I'm Marissa Mullen. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Diving In. Marissa and I are so excited about today's guest, John Batiste. He is one of the most talented musicians out there, and we are just so excited to have him on. The conversation that we all had with him was just so insightful and deep and amazing. Marissa has a very personal connection with John that added a really great layer of depth to our interview, and we're just so excited to share this with everybody. Marissa, I think it'd be great for our audience to hear how you know John so well. Yes, so my first official job out of college was working with John Baptiste at The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. It was back in 2015, right when The Late Show actually premiered, so it was a crazy time. I was John's personal assistant, I was the house band coordinator, and then this grew into a bigger role of me going on tour with John, running his social media, doing creative projects with him, the list goes on. For me, this job was so much more than an entry-level position. I learned so much about the entertainment industry, got to go to the Grammys and the Emmys. But all that being said, John himself was such a great person to work for. He treats everyone with kindness and respect, no matter what you do or what your position is. And I'm so excited to get into this episode. We go deep about creativity and authenticity. So let's dive in. Our next guest, in my humble opinion, is the world's most talented and versatile pianist, composer, musical director, and all-around amazing human. Known as the band leader on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, he's an Oscar winner for his work on the Pixar movie Soul, and has been nominated for 14 Grammys, 11 which are just from this year. Here to join us on Diving In, my dear friend and former boss, John Baptiste. Welcome, John. Woo! Woo! We in there. Hello. <laughs> What an intro. <laughs> I'm well glad deserved. to be here. You know what? That intro makes me, it almost makes me tear up because I remember when we were kids, we started at CBS. I remember the day Marissa Mullen came in and sat down to the interview. And who knew what would be ahead? It just feels like that was ages ago. And now we're just all in these amazing places in life. And I'm just so proud of her. She is really one of the most amazing people I've ever worked with. John, that's so nice of you. Thank you so much. I'm honored. I'm going to start crying. We're only one minute in. But I agree. It's just so crazy to think back to that time, 2015. We were so young. I was 23, I think. You were 27. And they gave us so much responsibility. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, too much. (laughs) We'll dive into some late show stuff later, but thinking back, it really was such a intense chapter, I think, for the both of us. You know, we learned so much about working in a corporate environment like that, but still being creative. And although there were ups and downs, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. It really was such a valuable experience. But first, before we get into the deep stuff, we are going to start on the surface level. Leslie, do you want to take it away? So how diving in works is we start off with more surface level conversations and questions similar to that of what you might be used to in one of your typical interviews. And as we dive deeper and explore topics that are more personal, like manifesting, imposter syndrome, and internal struggles of the entertainment industry. So we've got some fun questions and I'm just so excited. I feel like I'm witnessing this amazing reunion. Like ever since I've known Marissa, she's always been your biggest champion. And just like I, you know, Marissa and I were friends when, while she worked for you. And it's just so great to see just both of you like thriving and just crushing life. We have a a very blessed life. It's true. It's true. Gratitude. That's what it's all about. That and supporting and elevating the people around you, which is what Will Smith told us that one time. (laughs) Man. Wow. What a great, what a great meeting. That advice, I think about that every other week. Oh, me too. I also definitely mentioned that conversation on another episode of Diving In. So listeners, you will hear Will Smith's words of advice coming soon. 
But to start at surface level of diving in, we are going to do some rapid fire questions. So we have three questions for you. You can answer them all at the same time, whatever comes to your mind. The first is, what are you listening to at the moment? What are you reading at the moment? And what is your favorite food of the moment? Okay. My favorite song at the moment is the Lin-Manuel song from Encanto. Yes. Oh, you like that? We don't talk about Bruno? So yeah, yes. we don't talk about Bruno. It's <laughs> we so don't good. Talk about I can't believe Lin-Manuel. I, I actually, I think about the the combination of skills that he has and the timing in the world that he's been, been uh, put on this earth to do what he's doing. And it's really amazing just to see how much it encompasses and the song is just so freaking good and catchy and it's like the the simplest thing is the hardest thing to do sometimes and exactly. he just nails he nails the essentials it's 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 a really incredible song i love the song that's my favorite song what i'm reading i'm always reading the bible obviously I, i'm i'm always talking about that we're we're um in um in the philippians book and I'm reading another book about the Buddhist practice of how to love. It's actually called How to Love. And it's a small book. And it's not meant to be read linearly. Mm-hmm. You pick one page a day and you read it and you meditate on the anecdote that these, um, these Buddhist monks basically share Um they share different things that they've learned through their practice and different ways to meditate. So I've been checking out that. I love and, that. you know, I'm always reading a bunch of different books at the same time. So I'll give you those too, but I, I'm reading like five books right now. <laughs> they all are unrelated. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just a page a day, a page each. <laughs> yeah, you go to page, Violet. <laughs> I'm the same way. I can't read a whole book at once. It's just too much. It's, it's cool to read books while reading other books because you have this connectivity. You start to connect the dots in your subconscious mind in a really cool way. Um, and things that you think may be far flung or, or not connected at all, you start to realize that everything is everything. Yeah, totally. It's wild, too, to see when you're reading a book how suddenly it'll relate to exactly what you're going through. Like, you needed to open that book at that exact moment. Like, even the other day, I was reading a book, and they referenced a hotel that we had just stayed at in the place where we were just visiting. And it was just so, like, the synchronicity of it. I'm like, if I didn't pick up this book right now, I wouldn't have, like, made this connection. But love books. Mm. Mm, Yeah, books. So that's... That's the two that I'll give you as my favorite. I know I messed up the question. I said two, but. <laughs> this is a free-flowing convo. The structure's there, but we can go wherever we want to take it. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz, baby. Jazz. We're improvising. <laughs> <Ba-da-ba>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and favorite food at the moment is um, probably French fries. Nice. It's This question was funny because I feel like a big chapter of us working together was figuring out what to eat for lunch it's like the hardest question of all time because there's so many options in new york city yet so little and i don't think we could ever eat soup again (laughs) oh no i can't there's some stuff just from from being in new york and answering that question i just i can't do it anymore i mean you know you remember we would eat something for like a month Oh, yeah. Hyperfixation. <laughs> <laughs> we would eat the same thing for lunch for a month. And then after that, it's just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Never again. Maybe in like seven years. Come back to come back to the soup. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm still I still haven't gotten back. But yeah, <laughs> French fries. They never get old. That's the no. one thing. There's so many variety of French fries, too. You can get the crinkle fries. There's, you know, you're going to go bougie, you could go truffle fries, Parmesan fries. That's my favorite question to ask people. It's a really good break icebreaker question. Uh, give me your top three favorite potato styles because potatoes are the most versatile vegetable. It's amazing. 
it's so good too that that um I, I think that it's hard to pick a favorite. Like I, I can pick my top three. That's a great way of phrasing the question. To ask my favorite way, I wouldn't be able to answer it. But I could give you three, like mashed potatoes. My goodness, I gotta go with that. <laughs> I'm from the south, so mashed potatoes. Just any soul food gathering, any cookout, you're going to have some great mashed potatoes happening. And then you got the French fries, of course, which we already talking about. There's a million variations. But, you know, what about tater tots? Don't sleep. Don't sleep on tater tots. That's what I'm saying. They're the best. They're my number one, I think. Unpopular opinion. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, but how, though? Like tater tots with... Extra crispy with like an aioli. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Marissa style. <laughs> so this podcast mainly is just about potatoes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we'll let Leslie take it away with, uh, with our next question. <laughs> Talking about non-food things. So we would love to hear just kind of from the beginning. When did you start writing and performing music? What was that journey like for you? Was it, were you a child? Were you older? Like what sparked your love of music? You know, it's a blur. To be honest, I, I've, you know, been fortunate to grow up around musicians. My dad was my first musical mentor. There was a lot of legendary music in New Orleans and in Louisiana that is local. And it just feels like it's a part of everyday life to the point where, you know, people who aren't even musicians for a profession, they play great and they sing or they write or they dance and they have all these talents. And then I was just like, well, I'll try to play something on the side while I also play chess and basketball and video games and <laughs> gymnastics and do a million other things. And then by the time I was 14 or 15, people were really, really telling me, you know, people I really respected saying that, you know, you, you're really good at this. You have talent. And then I realized that I could, start doing it with people my age. You know, there were other great young musicians, writers, and, and, um, and, and composers that were at this incredible art school that I went to. And one of them came up to me, this guy who I, I actually had, he's like my, my, my brother. We, we worked together on my album, We Are. His name's Trombone Shorty. That's his nickname because he started playing the trombone when it was taller than him. And... <laughs> So he, he he's an example of of what growing up in, in New Orleans was like. You know, he's a special case, but there are people who start when they're like two or three and they're professionals by the time they're five or six. So he was one of them. He came to me and said, let's start a band together. And when we started the band together and we played shows in the city, I realized that I could make this my own in a weird way before I could put words to it. I realized I could take this music and I could do something that was bigger than music with it. And, and, you know, it took me about 15 years to even be able to put words to that. But it was just this feeling of, oh, wow, me being good at this thing could lead to other things that I can't even imagine yet. <laughs> and I just started slowly articulating that and putting the words to that and defining that into a career, but more so into a mission statement. Hmm. Love that. I love how you can find your craft and almost use it as your superpower to propel into the world. That's such a cool way to think about creativity. I feel like a lot of people, you know, have trouble trying to harness what their version of creativity is, but being able to really take time with it. 15 years, it's a long process. Like know that it doesn't happen overnight. It's something that you have to work on and keep trying things and failing and then you can see it all kind of come together like a puzzle. Well, you have to realize that a lot of times creativity happens when you're not trying. Mm -hmm. And exactly. you got to open yourself to the fact that the smallest thing that you might have an interest in, that could be the gateway into a whole nother creative vision and lifestyle for yourself. I feel like that's what happened with you. It, yeah. <laughs> as you're saying that, I'm like, sounds a little familiar. <laughs> as as I was saying it, it just it, it, it keyed into me that you're a great example of that. Just the 
the idea of doing this thing you're good at, you have an interest in, you don't think of it as a profession. You're, you, you start to do it more just for the joy of it, the love of it. And your mind is putting together ways of presenting it to the public that could be a career, but it wasn't really about that. It's more about sharing. You just want to present it to the public to share it. Yeah, share and bring people together. And then all of a sudden, because it has that pure frequency, that pure mm-hmm. creative intention is behind it, people start to gravitate toward it. And then it just takes you on a whole nother journey. I, I really, that's how I felt about becoming a musician. That's not even the, the, the thing that I ever thought I would be. Like, even when I started to realize I was good at it, I was like, everybody's a musician here. Why would I be a musician? <laughs> and that brings us to the next question. So you have this career of being a musician, traveling the world with your band, Stay Human, and you get an offer from the late show, Stephen Colbert. This is where we met. Um, and that whole journey begins. So when you got that offer in the first place, did you have hesitations at first? And did you feel like it was taking a leap of faith, kind of leaving behind what you were doing before? You know, I really, it was a, a, a moment that superseded anything like that. It, su- it superseded any logical thought. Um, it, it superseded, any sort of consideration that I would normally have. It was one of those moments, maybe this has happened to me three or four times in my entire life mm. where you, you feel like everything in the universe is pointing and leading you to one place and it's leading, to, it's leading you to this specific moment to do a specific thing that you are supposed to do right now. Uh, and, and everybody is in on it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I just wanted to touch back on what you said about how it really struck out to me when everything in the universe is pointing to this one thing. And in that moment, I feel like because Marissa's had that moment, I've had that moment. You really have this kind of just different perspective of all of the trials and tribulations, all of the hard stuff that you went through, the times when you thought that it was a failure, you suddenly can see it for what it is and that it got you to this new point and you can have that moment of gratitude around it. And I feel like, you know, with Doug the Pug happening, that's something I had never expected in a million years to like be my job. But like, if this one horrible thing hadn't happened to me or this job opportunity that I, you know, was so hoping for in the music industry didn't happen, like all of these things led to this divine moment of like, this is what I'm meant to do. And just the gratitude and leaning into that. But um, I just, I really loved what you said about that. <laughs> I love the way you phrase that, leaning into that. Mm-hmm. Lean into it. It's it's going to be messy sometimes. It's going to feel very uncomfortable sometimes. But lean into it because that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's who you are. And trust the process. So, yeah. Growth is so uncomfortable. It's you. Trust is the only thing that you can hang on to. Yeah. It's so hard in those moments, too, when you are struggling or you are in a place of extreme burnout and exhaustion and you just don't even know what to do it's in those moments you have to just trust you know and and trust that things will get better because life ebbs and flows it's peaks and valleys it's it can't all be good all the time and I think having something like that almost like a divine calling that you can just follow and that can be your guiding light it does shine a light for you to kind of figure out these ways to get there no matter what is in your way well, it's a it's a really interesting thing when that feeling is overwhelming and that overwhelming feeling is guiding you, even if you're not sure. And to trust that, to fall into that, lean into that, like that that's your idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it moves like it's your idea. Um, that's that's really what it felt like for me. In those moments, I'm almost more trusting of that than I am of my own logic or own assessment of the situation. 
because I didn't really even know. For instance, like with the late show, I didn't know what I was getting into. I had a lot of things that were on the table that were a completely divergent path at that mm-hmm. time. And a lot of things about this that, you know, it was a really cool opportunity, obviously, for, for the obvious reasons. It's, it's cool, but it's also not what I was pursuing at all. So for it to feel so overwhelming, I, no less than 30 people the week that I got the call to do it came to me before that call and told me, you know, you should do, I know you're cool with my man. You should call my man up. People from back home, people who have no, I didn't talk to in a long time, <laughs> no connection with in recent times. I saw you on the thing. You know, he taking over for the for the Letterman show. You should go and, and see if you could. And it just felt like, okay, well, that's what's supposed to happen right now. So It's interesting hearing your side of this because for me, coming from, you know, working at The Late Show on as a personal assistant for you, I ended my internship at The Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon, working for The Roots, and I still had a year of college left. And my mom asked me, oh, what do you want to do when you graduate? And I said, I want to work for a music department on a late night TV show. And she goes, well, there's only three of those, so good luck. And I just kept on living my life. But slowly but surely, these little hints here and there kept coming in, you know, like someone was like, oh, you know, um, Colbert is taking over for Letterman. They don't have a music department. Oh, my friend's friend works at Colbert, uh, Colbert Report. Oh, this person, this person. And I remember this day so vividly. I was on tour with Megan Trainer, and we were in Europe and I got a text from the Roots production manager, Keith, and he was like, hey, um, there's a, a role open for Colbert's new band leader for house band assistant. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of putting you up for that. And at the same time I got that text, I read it out loud. And Megan's manager at the time, Troy Carter, was in the room, who's a friend of yours. And he said, John Batiste. And I was like, oh, you know who the band leader yet is? Because it wasn't announced yet. He goes, yeah, it's John Batiste. He's a good friend. He said, I'll put I'll put a word in for you, but don't F this up. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I mean, he put in a good word. He called- and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> He called me and told me, he said, man, I got the perfect person for you. Your search is over. Like, literally, that was his, that was his word. And I, 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 um, I, I remember that call. And then you came to, to, to the show and sat down with us. And, um, but I had already, I had spoken with Troy. They didn't know, but I had spoken with Troy. And I was like, well, let's see. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like, you know, you talk about jobs that you have in your life and being an assistant too. It's always, you know, it's kind of like a beginner's job and you kind of move on from that. But for me, this experience was so much more than just being an assistant. And I think you and I both feel that way. It's like we like learned so much and grew so much in that whole chapter of four years and it almost was it like this was a pivotal moment for me in my life. And I was meant to be working with you at the show in this time to be where I am now. And yeah, those those little moments that just kind of piece the puzzle together. It's just so crazy. And it, it's it's wild to be just chatting now at years later about this. I don't know. I'm having like a out of body <laughs> moment. <laughs> Most of us could use more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root causes of our fatigue. It turns out two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and lack of nutrition. Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier to add more nutrients into your day. You simply mix a scoop into water or the plant-based milk of your choice and enjoy a natural boost of energy. I've been loving the Organifi Red Juice, which helps naturally increase energy when that 3 p.m. slump comes around. It's so delicious, full of beets, berries, Siberian ginseng, and reishi mushrooms. To get 20% off all products, check out Organifi.com slash diving in. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash diving in. These products truly are so delicious, and I've been loving every single one I've tried. So check it out and let us know what you think. Again, that's Organifi.com slash diving in for 20% off all products. This whole conversation kind of reminds me of the 
one of my all-time favorite movies now, Soul. And I would just love to hear, you know, how that opportunity came up for you. And, you know, once you were presented with it, did you just immediately, as a creative, as a musician, were you just getting pinged with those downloads of ideas where you're just like, oh my God, this is, you know, all coming together in my brain already? Or was it something that you really had to like sit down and delve into and really just like do some deep work to to make it happen? It was very natural. Yeah. Very natural. I make music from a very natural childlike place. Uh, I've studied a lot of music. I've worked really hard to be proficient and to innovate and to develop the craft. Sure. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, whenever I, I go to make music, I approach it like a child and I just, what's the right vibe? What's the energy? What's the vibe? What, what, what's happening? And let's make it, make it be what it's supposed to be. So to do a, a film that's a love letter to jazz that is for children, but also connected to adult uh, themes, really existential heavy themes, and it's to talk about the birth and origin of the soul and where the soul goes when we pass away and the meaning of life. All truly my jam. Stuff I think about, talk about all the time. Like, it's the, everything about the film was so natural. I, 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 I feel almost like I, I didn't even realize the magnitude of it while we were doing it. And I spent three years working on it. Um, but I didn't realize the magnitude of it. In fact, we started working on it. I remember, Marissa, you remember the beginning of that. Yeah, I remember getting the um, black and white illustrations of the opening scene and you kind of noodling around on the piano, like the very initial stages. And it was insane to see that and then also hear your stories. You went out to LA to visit the Pixar studios and learning that when they work on a Pixar film, the entire office changes everything to reflect that film. So everyone's just in the zone. So cool. Yeah. I, <laughs> I remember those early, those early sketches and the fact that they make the movie so many times before they make the movie. It, it, I learned so much that I applied to everything, even making an album or, or, or thinking about a, a creative collaboration. That mm -hmm. was one of the greatest lessons. It just was so natural. I didn't realize, I, I, I really didn't uh, realize the magnitude of it. Um, but most things that have an impact in my creative life are like that. Yeah. Forced energy at all. It just- You can't force it. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Totally. It, it's a spiritual download, essentially. There's a book, Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. And I love this book because it's all about how creativity is an energy and it's a spiritual thing. And when it comes to you, you're either ready for it or you're not. And if you're not, it goes on to the next person. But I felt the same way writing my first cookbook. I sat down and it just came out. It was just, there we go. Even I'm writing my second book right now. And I would sit down on the plane, for example, flying five hours typing the entire time, landing and being like, whoa, I just typed 8,000 words, what? And didn't even, it's like you almost black it out because it's something that just feels so natural and easy. But I agree, any single time you try to force something, it never is the same and it's never as potent or as, you know, it doesn't feel as authentic when you have to force it. No, it's not meant to be that way. <laughs> it's just not the way it's meant to be. It sounds like the whole process was also just so beautiful for your inner child, for young John to to go through that and be like having those childhood like playful moments being like, this is what I get to do. Like I'm an adult and I'm just having the time of my life. I think it's so important that we recognize that no matter what age we are, we can still just like have those childhood 
moments where we like just have fun and play around and like, you know, we're adults, so we have more resources, but at the same time, we're still, we're still young at heart. I feel like a kid. I feel like a kid (laughs) all the time. I, I think that that's so important for my creative practice. And I would venture to say for everyone's creative practice to, to maintain that feeling that they had when they were a child playing. What, did, what was that feeling when you were a child at the playground? Remember, everybody remembers what that felt like because it felt so good and it's so potent, it sticks with you. To remember that and try to recapture that in your creative practice is a superpower that we all have. So speaking of superpowers, I have a question that I personally really want to ask you. I hear that you have perfect pitch and I also have perfect pitch and I've never met someone else that has it. Um, I hear notes in like the toilet flushing and a car horn. And when it's like, you know, too flat and it goes against everything else, I get so enraged and angry. Have you found that to be perfect pitch, a superpower in your creation process? Well, I, who, yeah, you, you, you a bad, bad cat. I, I, like, <laughs> I like that a lot. I love, I love that it's forced me to reconceptualize my, my view of what in tune means. It's so interesting that these theoretical words in music you know, talking about harmony or the bass or in tune. There's spiritual terms that have been uh, uh, transmutated into technical theoretical terms, but the root of them are actually spiritual. Like bass, the bass is the bottom. You can know the B-A-S-S, but it's also B-A-S-E. It's the bass. It's the root. The root of a chord is is the root, it's like the, the, the grounding in the ground or, or in tune means that you vibrated on the frequency. <laughs> it's vibrating sympathetically or harmony, the idea of harmony. And, and harmony is something that is one note and another note in unison together and creating a, a vibration together or one or more note, two or more notes create a vibration together. And then I started to think about, well, in tune. And, and, and something could not be in tune in terms of it being perfectly in pitch, but tune is all relative. Uh, tuning, what is an A? What, right. what is a note? And then you think in, in other cultures, in Eastern culture, they have microtones and the notes, you go in between the fixed pitches. So then I start to, to contextualize it like that. Like everything is is open, everything in music. I've really been trying to get to that when I'm playing, where it's just like everything. There are no real boundaries. It's just in tune with what I'm in tune with the moment. What is the harmony? I'm harmonious with the moment and my brothers and sisters. What is it that I'm trying to do musically in a technical sense? And let's actually broaden it and deepen it to what it means in the most universal sense. Mm. I know that's alienating non-music nerd people, but I'm sorry. That's just... No, it's so good. Well, that in itself is like teaching people to play with their inner child. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we're as adults, we have so many rules and structures and schedules we have to stick to. And by doing that in music, you're able to break free from those. And, you know, as I know about you, your schedule is probably the craziest thing I've ever seen, probably even more so to this day. Do you feel like having those kind of boundless rules in music helps you, your mind kind of stay sane in the structure of the day that you always have to exist in? Yeah, definitely. It's a great balance. It's a great way to counterbalance the spiritual energy that I have to inhabit to be CEO John. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there are different versions of yourself that all are true that you have to exist within in order to be effective in the world. In particular, when you build a creative life for yourself, that's also your, your business. So I, I have to have these sort of um, 
characters that I go into and these spaces that I go into that are symbiotic. They replenish each other. And, you know, you see me now, I'm wearing sweatpants and a flannel. And, you know, in 15 minutes, I have to put on a suit and diamonds and all kinds of, my hair will be much better together. And I will be on stage and performing. When I have to do some interviews, then I have to go to the studio. When I go in the recording studio, I have to be able to get to the inner child. And I can't be worried about the time. And I can't be worried about the budget. And I have to get to it and make it be pure. And all of this is like, you would think they're in opposition to each other, but they no, they help you to survive without going crazy. They help you to actually balance all of the responsibilities and the diverse things that you have to do in order to manifest your vision. hundred percent. I couldn't have said it better. I, I feel like that, that uh, topic of when a creative pursuit becomes a job, how do you balance, you know, the business and the fun and getting everything done on your to-do list, but also being able to enrich that part of you that started this creative pursuit in the first place. And it can get so overwhelming at times, especially when you have a super busy schedule. So being able to kind of put your mind into different versions of yourself, I think is super helpful um, for listeners to hear who may be struggling with with that, you know, turning a creative project into a, a business. I love that. And even to still be able to lean on music while you're so busy, I know, um, I'm at nighttime, I have to listen to like my healing frequencies. And it just totally, I can be in an absolute anxiety attack or really sick. And I put on my Delta Theta wave healing frequency 550 hertz. And I am just a totally different person. And it just totally just brings me to the level that I need to be. And I think it says something too, where, you know, like Marissa said, we have our passions and we've all been so blessed to make careers out of our passions. But how amazing is it that we can still use those passions to like fuel us and like really thrive and not just be like, oh, my day job is over. Like, I don't want to touch that anymore. It's like, no, this is like a part of you, a part of us. It's like, you Mm. have to, it just, it's your soul. It's, it's everything. You totally realize when something is not in line with that and when it's time for it to go. Mm. In love, but it's time for it to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of uh, practice (laughs) to recognize. You know, that's not something that takes time. It's like it really, you know, you'll have that gut intuition, but until it kind of backfires, you don't truly trust it. And then you're like, wait, no, I feel that ping. This isn't right. I'm not even going to go down that road. Yeah, the intuition is everything. Just trying to channel into that feeling. It's hard, especially when, you know, there's so many, so many things coming at us at all times, especially with social media and the news and the world. It, It can feel very cluttered. But I think meditating for me has really helped tune into my intuition. That's something that I've been working on over the past year. And even something as simple as just closing your eyes for 10 minutes and slowing down. And this is a term that John would always (laughs) tell me. And you're probably laughing that I'm like, John, I meditate now. Because back in the day at the Late Show, he would say every day, Marissa, you got to slow down. (laughs) (laughs) Slow yourself down. Because I truly was like a chicken with my head cut off running around like crazy because, you know, working in a place like The Late Show and in TV and entertainment in general, it is very demanding and it does require a lot of, you know, being on your feet, quick thinking, um, dealing with so many different personalities and finding that sense of calm, inner calm can really help you in so many situations like that. Just tune back into your intuition and your higher self and to just kind of be in this zone that is your own little safe space in a sense stillness oh my goodness that reminds me of this book that i was reading 
It's called Seeds of Contemplation. Ooh, to find that stillness. I love that you meditate now. That's so great. I love that so much. That's like a blessing to my soul to hear that you found that. That's great. Oh, thank you. You, you got to slow down, Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, Marissa was like, ugh, I'm so lazy. And I was, I called her. I'm like, Marissa, you are the least lazy person that I know. You are. I mean, I'm still crazy, but I'm slowing down a little bit. (laughs) No, she's definitely so good about meditating and journaling. But I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. We're hard on ourselves, but you know, you got to be kinder to yourself. And speaking about being kind to yourself, being proud of yourself, John, you got nominated for 11 Grammys this year. That is insane. First of all, 11 is like the number of life. John's birthday is 1111. 11's my lucky number. Leslie has connections to 11. Was married We're on 1111. Married on 1111. We love that number. But when you got the news that you were nominated for 11 Grammys, which congratulations, it's so amazing. Does that, although the Grammys haven't happened yet, the nominations, does it feel validating? Like, could you take a step back and be like, wow, I got nominated for 11 Grammys? Or does it make you kind of push harder? And are you able to ever just stop and feel proud of your accomplishments? You know, that's an interesting question, really, really, because it's not even something that I can uh, fully fully give a, a, a comprehensive answer to because I'm still in the moment of it. Mm. It's really interesting, though, because push harder or take stock are the options that I would typically think of. But it's so interesting to see the timing of it. For me, you know, I'm really in the middle of such seismic life shifts right now. Mm. And it's so, so incredibly large the magnitude of the things that are happening and how different each thing is to each other in terms of the implication of what they mean and would mean for my life, my family, um, my ambitions, and the way that the music was made and the age that I made it. You know, you think about the age of 33, that coming of age the adulthood of a person and and the real manifestation of who you are kind of, I think there's around that time, it just solidified who you are. That's it. Mm. And, and um, you know, having done the music that's nominated for all of these awards from such a, a, a pure place, such a place of defying any conventions or even thinking about any sort of recognition. Not to say that I'm not humbled or grateful by the recognition at all, but to get to the point where you really don't care, um, like you absolutely, I can say 100%, I do not think about that or care about it. Um, But for that to then happen, when you really reach that point in your adulthood and your creative practice and your, your, your whole essence is, is comfortable in who and what it is that you're about, even mm-hmm. when it's all, even when it's not popular. And then it's the most popular. <laughs> but then it's also going through stuff that puts it in perspective and puts the essence of time and the essence of what precious and, and, and fleeting moments that you have in life really mm-hmm. are about. Puts into perspective all of that. And then you also have these incredible opportunities <laughs> to do things that were beyond what you dreamed of doing. And they all come in at one time. And then you also have more music that you want to make, that you wanted to make before that all happened. I just don't really know how to answer your question. It makes you realize that at the end of the day, 
all that matters in life is love and health. That's it. You know? That is it. You don't have, you don't have much time, no matter if you're the healthiest person, in comparison to the universe Mm -hmm. and, and in comparison to how many people have, have lived in this, in this wonderful universe of ours, you know, you don't have much time and it's very, very important that you, you are constantly acutely aware of that in everything that you do. And it removes any sort of superficial thinking <laughs> it it just everything about what you're doing becomes very essential and important mm-hmm. no fluff no fluff yeah finding happiness in the true things if if you know you took away everything would you still be truly happy and that's beautiful that you said you know the awards it's like at the end of the day you made the beautiful music that you wanted to make and you got the happiness out of it and you put it into the world and it's like of course it's icing on the cake that you're getting recognized for it but you would still be really freaking happy if you weren't getting the nominations i remember half of the music on that album like with the dap kings and like way back when and Grammys were not on your mind at all. It was like, let me get in the studio and let me just create. And I mean, it was the most amazing thing to see. It's It was so much fun watching you create like all of these songs that were just like the way that you compiled it together into We Are is so beautiful. And it was amazing to listen to from start to finish, just being like, oh my gosh, okay, like here here it is making like so much, you know, sense in this album. Um But yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing that you created it just to create. Again, just doing something that feels good in your body and that feels easy and it's not forced and you're not doing it to be a New York Times bestseller or win a Grammy or win an Oscar. None of that is part of the process. And it's not even, you know, when you get to that point too, when you win the award, it doesn't even feel that fulfilling sometimes, you know? Well, you said it. You remember those days. It's so crazy. I remember us going to the studio and, you know, you <laughs> we'll be talking about that. I, I want to go to the studio and I want to record. And we'll be talking about what is it for? It's like, I don't know. I just <laughs> I just want to record. <laughs> I want to make some music. We would go to the studio and be in there for hours and working hard on something that wouldn't even have, we wouldn't even have a record deal. No release yeah, nothing. date. <laughs> nothing. Just, just to make music. And I've been doing that for so long. Since I was 17, I started going before I had any money, really just with my parents' money. And then with money I make from gigs that I would do on the weekends from school. And after school, I would go in the studio and I just felt alive in the recording studio, making music and and imagining movies and characters and all these vid- I have characters. Marissa knows for sure that there's all these characters of music. <laughs> I will never forget the Wynton Marsalis. <laughs> you have a song with Wynton Marsalis, and we did um, a show in Chicago. And you were explaining to me the characters in this song. And there's like a little jumping bear, and then there's like this like this man who's like da 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 da. And then you listen to the song, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I can see those characters. It's so true. It's, Love it's it. there. It's, it's there. I, I, I'm just, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I'm just happy. I'm happy about it. I can say I'm happy about it. I've definitely, funny, funny enough, it's actually helped me to take more stock of everything and to have a perspective on it. And it's also helping me to push forward and realize the limitation of time. Um, it's, it's, it's both, but I don't even really know how to answer that confidently. I mean, I just love how, you know, over the past few years, I've just seen you truly step into what seems like the most authentic version of yourself. And I think that is just such an amazing thing that everyone should try to do. You know, being thrusted into this world at such a young age and on TV where people are dressing you and telling you what to do and what to play. Of course, it's so hard to really like tune into that, that inner, inner authenticity, but you have fully just sent it with just finding John Baptiste and there he is and he is shining and it's an amazing thing to see. Oh, you know, we, we've come a long way. (laughs) 
so long, so long. You you really are an incredibly inspiring human, though. I mean, it's been amazing even just since I've known Marissa and seeing her work with you to now finally meeting you face-to-face on Zoom. But when I saw you play in Nashville, your music just, I don't think I've ever felt that way, like on a spiritual level in a live performance. You played the Schmermerhorn <laughs> Symphony Center in Nashville. Um And it was just, you know, I grew up playing the piano. I did the Suzuki method when I was three. I've just, I've been a piano person my entire life, just listening, consuming, playing. And to, to meet you and talk with you and see that you are truly all that embodies even the spiritual feeling that your music creates and your talents put out in the world, it's just like... I feel like you're, I mean, I don't feel like I know you are, we're watching like a legend right now. You are truly just like in everything that you're putting out into the world. Um, Just like, thank you for spreading joy and spreading kindness and being so kind to Marissa and like all the amazing things you're doing. You're just like, I just want to hug you through the computer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look, look, I remember that show that, you know. Oh man. It was October 2018. Oh my God. I have that (laughs) calendar brain. I still remember your whole calendar from the past four years. (laughs) I said, I said that show, you know, in general, all of the performances, I see them as a spiritual practice. I really do. I really am glad that you felt so, so much of what I, I, I hope to present in the music. And Marissa, we, we, we've had so many moments where the live show will we'll see a performance or we'll be a part of a performance and then we'll go to another performance and the essence of it is not the same. Oh yeah. You could tell. It's the, my favorite, um, my favorite tour that we ever did was probably the little Europe stint with the piano in the cathedrals just because, so we put a grand piano in the center of these beautiful European cathedrals, and it was just John in the piano. And just the the sound in these cathedrals and the intimacy of the people around the piano, you could feel the energy. So it was so intense. And people were crying, people were laughing. Like, it was just, I will never forget that tour. All of the solo piano and around tours were just incredible because you yourself and the piano that's that's all it is there was no fluff you know there was no there was no lasers or smoke or mirrors you know (laughs) it's just cut down plain and simple you and your keys what you know what you love and having that connection with the people around you so close to the piano was something that I've never seen a musician see and being able to be a part of that was just so special oh yeah incredible that was a meditation that whole tour we were just we were on a meditation just a meditation before i knew how to meditate (laughs) right floating through different cities just on a totally different plane yes so to wrap up this amazing conversation thank you john so much for joining us i am just so happy for you um at the core and i think you've kind of answered this already but what is the message you want to put out in the world be who you are. Be yourself. Be who you were created to be. Be the being that was put on this earth to do the thing. That's it. You know, that's it. You don't have much time. So you got to get to it. And if you get to it, it's really a beautiful thing because it gives other people permission to it. I'm a man of faith and I believe that everybody has something very special. Even though there's been billions and billions of people, beings existing in many, many thousands of years and millennia, every single one of those people, I believe, has something very, very special and important to offer the world. Even if their whole purpose was, it's funny you mentioned the, the 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 great Elizabeth Gilbert, we did a talk last month together about Big Magic and about the We Are album. And we did this talk together. And in her talk, she said something that stuck with me that I'll leave you with. So she said, 
we both spoke uh, um, in tandem and we got, then there was a Q and A and someone asked a question about purpose and, and, and artistic purpose in particular. And, and if that ties into life's purpose overall in your belief and, and you know, I shared my faith and, and she's, she's someone who is just so mystical. You know, we, we've become really good friends actually over the last year. Um, and she has these incredible beliefs that um, what if the day that I was walking down the street and there was a guy painting the hardware store and he was on a ladder and I could see the ladder shaking. And I went underneath the ladder and I helped him hold the ladder there for 30 minutes. And I just did that. And it wasn't a part of my daily plan of, of what I was planning to do that day. And I just held the ladder for this man. And then I left. And then she said, that actually happened to me. And the thought occurred to me after that moment that maybe that was my life's purpose. Maybe that moment, holding the ladder for that guy, painting his hardware store, he didn't even know I was there. He might have, he might have fell to his death. Who knows what could have happened? Or he might have, you know, he might not have been able to then have the kid who would then come out to cure cancer or to be the next Mahatma Gandhi or <laughs> it. There's something so interconnected. That's what this COVID period has taught us. That's what the pandemic, mm -hmm. that's what all the social unrest when we did the, the march for black lives and the women's mm -hmm. march and all the things that no matter how much we want to separate ourselves or divide ourselves, we are interconnected. Mm. Every person's purpose is important. Every person's purpose is connected to the outcome for us all. That is so, so, so much of what I'm trying to convey with my shows, with my music. But it was such a deep thing she said. And your purpose doesn't have to be this grandiose purpose where you're winning awards and you're on stage all the time. And maybe you're doing that and that's not your purpose. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's just something that you're doing. That's just something to lead you to your purpose eventually. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, I really think that's a great way to, 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 um, to, to answer that question. Um, and, and to kind of leave, leave you with that, that incredible wisdom. I, I really feel that strongly. Beautifully wow. put. Thank you so much. John, it has been a pleasure. We need to hang out soon. I miss you. Uh, thank you so much for taking this time. Um, this has been such an incredible conversation, and I'm so excited for people to hear this. Um, where can people find you on the internet, and what should they look forward to with projects you're working on? Wow. Well, it hasn't been the same since you left, but I have Instagram. <laughs> um, it, it's called... <laughs> It's at John Baptiste, J-O-N-B-A-T-I-S-T-E. I have so many great projects I'm really, really excited about coming up. Um, more albums on the way. Obviously, I love recording and putting out music. I'm backlogged. Um, and I'm doing a symphony. Uh, it's it's a, 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 a premiere artist-in-residence at Carnegie Hall. So, Woo! Um, wow. Yeah. That's an incredible opportunity that I have this year to be the artist in residence at Carnegie Hall. I'm doing three shows, uh, one of which is the first time there's ever been a Black composer premiere and an all-Black symphony orchestra premiere. Incredible. Then I'm doing my own symphony premiere on May 7th, which is, um, when I say symphony, I don't even mean just a classical symphony. I mean, like, I'm having musicians from indigenous American, Native American instrumentation, folk musicians, jazz musicians, marching band musicians, along with the symphony. It's going to be like 200 plus musicians. Wow. Uh, and I wrote this piece that's like 40 minutes long, four movements. I, I'm, we're going to play it one time, one night only. So that's what's going to happen. So yeah, there's stuff like that. Um, I'm doing other movie projects I can't talk about, fashion collaborations, um wow there's some really great stuff <laughs> but actually stay just if you follow socials it'll always emerge or something <laughs> everybody buy we are the album yeah listen to we are it's an incredible album um 
again, John, thank you so much for taking the time. And we will see you around, man. Slow down. <laughs> Slow down, y'all. Come Slow on. yourself down. <laughs> thank you so much, John. Thank you. It's a pleasure to see y'all. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Diving In. This show is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is by Rob Schinelli. As always, if you liked this episode, please share us with your friends and family and give us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button to be reminded when a new episode comes out. If you have any questions for the show, our email is info at divingin.community. To stay up to date with all things Diving In, you can follow us on Instagram at divinginpod or visit us online by going to divingin.community. See you next time.